Good morning and welcome. This is Pastor Lucy Painter with your daily insights. It's a new week and we continue with our series, The Battle's Frontline. Wow, there's military terms. We're talking about battles and we are talking about the art of war. And today we continue with the series. And there are several well-known classical maneuvers used in warfare which have proven effective for hundreds of years. We can talk about several of them. There is penetration of the center, attacking from a defensive position, feigning retreat, indirect approaches, single envelopment, among others. Today, I'm more interested in the last maneuver that I have mentioned, the single envelopment tactic. And we'll see why when we start reading today's scriptures. This maneuver was used in the famous Battle of Rokloi. I'm calling it famous, but maybe it's not that famous because until I read about it, that's when I heard about it. Anyway, you might be hearing about it today. Okay, so this maneuver uses a strong force to attack the opponent from the side. The attacking force uses what is called a holding attack. And a holding attack is meant to hold the enemy on one position because they cannot tell where the main attack is going to come from. This means that they cannot reinforce the troops repelling the main attack because they don't even know which attack is the main one and which attack is meant to distract them. When they reinforce, they end up committing their reserve prematurely and to the wrong location. And this is how the Battle of Rokloi was won. So let me tell you a little bit about Rokloi. So Rokloi was a fortified city and the Spaniard called it the Gate of Champagne. It was one of the best fortresses in France, an attractive target for the Spaniards. So on May, on the 19th May, nine, uh, that is in 1643, the Spaniard besieged the city. After several uh, failed attempts by the French army to stop the Spaniards, Louis, the Prince of Corde, ordered a huge cavalry encirclement and ran a sweeping attack behind the Spanish army, who were still trying to fight the reserves from the side. So the Spaniards were defeated and they fled, leaving their weapons behind. And this victory is considered to be the turning point of the perceived invisibility of the Spanish war tactics. So that's how they lost, you know, that envelopment. All right. So let's go to our reading because the Bible tells us of a similar attack that was launched against the Israelites by the Amalek after they had crossed the Red Sea. Exodus 17, 8 to 16 says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hul went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he laid down his hand, Amalek prevailed. 
but Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hul supported his hands on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of it to Joshua and that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the sun. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Wow. So, let's dig a little bit about this. And it is important to understand at this point that Amalek was a grandson of Esau, the brother to Jacob. And these were relatives. And if you read the rest of the Old Testament, you realize that the Amalek were their permanent enemy. And given their common ancestry, I believe these people knew that these lands had been promised by God to the descendants of Jacob. And it's no wonder that they are moving through these lands without any military formation because they didn't expect any attack from their kin who already knew they were coming to claim their inheritance. And I imagine the children of Israel, they are breathing a sign of relief after coming from bondage and finally being at home. And they thought the battle was over. And the moment they relaxed, the Amalekites descended on them with this unprovoked attack. They attacked them in the most despicable and treacherous manner. They attacked them from the rear, where women, children, the aged, the sick, and those who carried their luggage were. And they smote them, they killed them, and took their spoil. You know, Deuteronomy 25, 17 to 18 says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your real ranks. All the strugglers at your rear. When you were tired and weary, he did not fear God. So that's where I got that information. You know, this was their first experience of real military battle. Even when they were slaves, God had fought their battles for them. He had defeated the Egyptians for them. He had avoided putting them in direct confrontation with their enemies. But here they were now, faced with an enemy they had to engage directly with. But Moses had seen what the Lord could do. He remembered the Lord who had called him. And he told Joshua, go, fight the Amalekite. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And the word of the Lord says that when the battle began and Moses raised his hands, the Israelites prevailed. When Joshua was physically engaged in battle, Moses supported the battle behind the scenes. The fate of this battle depended on his intercession. You know, raised hands, the raised hands 
was Israelites' posture during prayer. And the word of the Lord says, as long as his hands were raised, the Israel had the upper hand. And when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites had the upper hand. And this right here signifies the nature of prayers, passion, commitment, and consistency. Moses had to start praying for them to win. He had to keep praying for them to keep winning. You know, this was the same Moses who had to engage the Egyptians in the physical confrontation. You know, the miracles, the drowning of the Egyptians in the Red Sea. The same Moses who had to strike a rock for it to produce water. The same Moses who saw a real burning bush. And here he was doing something totally out of habit. A man who had gotten used to a God who had preordained plans. A God who had declared that Israel would come out of bondage and they did. A God who had declared that he would take them to the promised land and he did. Moses could have chosen to ride the wave of disaster until God's plan was fulfilled. Besides, God was going to deliver them to Canaan anyway. But he reconciled the God he knew with the current situation. He prayed. He persisted in prayers like everything depended on it. And this is something I would want us to adopt as we talk about warfare and battles frontline. You know, sometimes we can't figure out how prayers are supposed to interact with God's preordained plans. Sometimes we can't tell what prayers are going to change in the situations we are in. But that doesn't mean that we should stop praying. That doesn't mean that we should go back to the strategies we've been used to. When situations calls for prayers, pray like it matters because it does. There are times when the only way to win a battle is to fight. And there are times when we have to fight and still pray for victory. Times when you have to go to rehab and still pray. Times when you have to get that lawyer and still pray. Times when you have to talk to that teenage child and still pray. Time when you have to work for your college fee and study late into the night and still pray. You know, sometimes we think that those fights we are talking about are the difficult part. But the Bible says that Moses' hands became heavy and Aaron and whole had to find a stone for him to sit on. And as they helped lift his hands up. And it's true that sometimes prayer is sweet and easy. Sometimes you pray and feel refreshed. Sometimes you pray and your strength is restored. But time, oh, let me say this, but sometimes praying can be as difficult as whatever else you have to do to help your situation. It can be exhausting to the point of needing help. And this is why Aaron and Hur were there at the top of the hill with Moses to hold his hands up, to stand by his side, to strengthen him in prayer, to suffer with him for Israel, to partner with him in intercession, 
and the battle was won this way with prayer and available instrument so pray as you do pray fervently but do not lay aside the practical means that can promote the end you seek in prayer the word of the lord say that when the battle was over and moses built an altar and called its name the lord is my banner he knew that it was it wasn't only because of their military might that they had won He knew the battle had been won by God's power and their effort. He named that place lest they forgot what they had learned in that place. Lest they forgot how the victory came about. But we see God promising that this war with the Amalekites was not over. They were probably going to attack them again. But the Lord promised him forever. They would forever be at war with him. I pray that you do not forget to be vigilant even at times of peace because that's when the enemy attacks pray that even when things are going well for you pray even when you have means to fight on your own pray even when you think you have a solution at hand and even as you pray have somebody that can stand by your side have somebody who can hold you up in prayer when your strength wanes Someone who can suffer with you in prayer. Someone who can partner with you in intercession. Because we are in battle. A battle with a treacherous enemy. An enemy who won't mind using every despicable weapon and strategy at his disposal. So pray without ceasing. And use the resources the Lord has put at your disposal too. And I pray that the Lord may give you the discernment to know what tactic the enemy is using against you. May he help you to know where the enemy attack is from so that you may know how to respond. So that you do not commit your resources where they will not help. In Jesus mighty name. Shalom. This is Pastor Lucy Painter. with your daily insight and this is Bartos frontline day 6 thank you for your continued support and encouragement to the making of the daily insights reaching an average of 60 people a day with over 10,000 total plays I invite you to partner with us by supporting this podcast through monthly or one-time donation. Your contribution will be used to sustain the episode subscription and hosting platform. My goal is to inspire and share insightful messages in our generation, empowering one person at a time each day to continue serving the purposes of God. in our generation. Your support is highly appreciated. Click that support button now and give your support. You can support with $1, $5, or as much as you are able to give. Blessings.